Yeah. Oh, come on. I mean, aren't you glad that you serve a God who takes ugly things and makes them beautiful? He takes dust to make it beautiful. I mean, that, that song just makes me want to dance and smell flowers and sing. And I don't even care if it's raining. Ha! Ha! Uh, a couple of beautiful things I need to mention to you. One, this beautiful thing back here was built by somebody. It's a... Uh, it's part of the Baskerville set, and I encourage you to come see the show. It's a really good show, and you can read the playbill and find out who made that. Okay, and uh, we got two, well, I, actually, Gabby's not here, is she? Well, dang, dang, her, that's all right, I'm glad. She's, she's, she's with us in spirit. Uh, and uh, two of our girls, who, uh, who I believe both received uh, Springhouse scholarships, yeah, were recognized this past week at Lee University, one of them uh, for winning the departmental award for math and natural sciences, is it? Yeah. And one of them, was it psychology that... Uh, Yeah, I knew she got that. She also got the a departmental award too, didn't she? Yes. Now, was that psychology? Yes. Well, I figured that it had to be with you as her daddy. I mean, she got a lot of practice before she got to, she got to the school. But I mean, uh, uh, two of our girls won the departmental award, uh, Gabby Exley and Elkie Warren. And uh, yeah, yeah, bring it down, yeah. We're proud of them. We're very proud of them. Yeah. Uh, would you stand with me? And we're going to read part of this uh, story, the part that we're going to talk about this week. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power in your word and the life in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would would reside upon every person here. Strip away the dullness and the blindness and the distractions of this world. Help us see truth. Help us come to your light today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, uh, Pastor Allen uh, taught about the workers in the vineyard, and he said, I don't like the title of that parable uh, because I really feel like instead of being about the workers in the vineyard, that it's really about the generous landowner. And of course, the generous landowner is, is where it all starts and finishes, and it is. And then he went on to teach about the workers in the vineyard because the workers in the vineyard, that's us. That's who we are. And as I, as I look at this, uh, at this parable today, I mean, uh, a lot of Bibles, a lot of times you hear it called the prodigal son. We call it the, I call it the lost son. Uh, and, and really, the central figure is not the son. The central figure is the good, good father. Yeah. Uh, however, we're going to talk quite a bit today about the lost son because we all know him. And we all know him because... We all are him, every single one of us. Um, the father had two sons, and an older son and a younger son. And so everything starts with the father. I mean, you know, the father came first and then, and then, then the sons. And he had these two sons. And the younger son asked for his share of the estate. Now, younger uh, indicates more foolish. Okay. Uh, no offense. To, uh, to any of you who, who may be younger, but the truth of the matter is, you may know how to beat Zelda, you may know how to program a cell phone, you may know how to turn on your television, and your parents may not know that. But just knowing stuff doesn't mean that you have wisdom. And wisdom takes a little while sometimes, and sometimes that, that takes a little maturity. I, I, I know that it, it, that it did in my life. And, and for those of you who used to be younger, which is everyone who is in this room. But, but those of you who can kind of look back on, on years and go, yeah, I used to be. Have you ever said to yourself, if only I had known then what I know now? Yeah. Virtually everybody uh, can, can say that and, and genuinely and seriously mean it. Well, the younger son, the more, the, more, the more foolish son, comes to his father and asks for his share of the estate. Now, if you've ever had a son or a daughter, quite frankly, I am just going to venture that there's been some point in your life, their life, where they have come to you and asked for money. Ever happen? Yeah. Uh, and that's okay, because you did it too. Uh, but this, this, this guy isn't just coming and saying, you know, can I have $10? Or, you know, that, that, that thing Kevin was talking about, yeah, you can keep one of them. 
Give me the one with zeros don't mean anything. You know, get, give me the one with the zeros on it. Uh, no, but that's not what he's coming at. He says, I want my share of the estate. One of these days, I'm going to inherit stuff. And, you know, apparently there's two of them, so half of this stuff will be mine. That's what I want. Now, if your child were to come to you and say, I want $10, you might give it to them. But if your child were to come to you and say, I want my share of the estate, what would your answer be? Hold your horse. Yeah, here's $10. Yeah, hold your horses. Yeah. What was God's answer? Here it is. Here it is. Wow. Uh, you know, we, we sing that song, Oh, the uh, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's reckless. Here it is. You are free. When you're with me, you're free. We, we tend to think that when we're away from God, and we can kind of do, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, but when we're away from God and we can kind of do whatever, whatever we want to do, that's when we're free. Um, doesn't work that way. But when you're with God, there really is freedom there. Essentially, what the son is saying, you, you know, one of the reasons why you're not going to give your child their share of the estate, or probably not, is because what generally needs to happen for someone to get their share of the estate? Yeah. Yeah, you got to die. And I don't know that the son was saying, hey, Dad, uh, I'd really like you to kick off. I, I think, but what he is saying is, I want to live my life without reference to you. I, 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 want, I don't want there to be any connection here. I want to have the stuff so I can go away. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. I, I don't want you in my life. See, once we, once we make that choice, once we make that decision, it's not long before we get our bits together and we leave. Just as the, just as the son did. Well... I don't read the Bible very much. I mean, yeah, I, I read the Bible every year or so. I, uh, I don't really practice my faith, you know, not, not the way people practice their faith. Uh, and, you know, I don't really go to church, I mean, <laughs> seriously. But I love Jesus. Oh, really? I mean, has anybody heard that from Someone, I mean, that attitude has kind of become pervasive, and it's very similar to, you know, I know I moved in with another woman, but I love my wife. No, you don't. If you did, you would be with her. If you did, that's who you would want to be with. You know, and I understand, I understand, well, you know, I don't, I don't go to church. There are a lot of phonies in church, you know, at the bar, they got real people. Listen, at the bar, they got phonies. And some real people. At church, they got phonies and some real people. It's not which place you are. It's the fact that you're actually dealing with people. That's what it is. And in fact, some of those people are in both places. <laughs> Praise God. 
Yeah, and that's okay. You know, if you're phony, you're welcome here. We want you to be real. We'd like to, we'd like to get there, but hey, come on, come on in and just, just phony all over us and, and the Holy Ghost will get a hold of you at some point in time and, and something will happen. Let's, let's, let's have some connection and give, give us a, give a chance. How about that? So anyway, the, the younger son gets his bits together and he goes off to something called the distant country. And the distant country is, is really a euphemism for the world. It's, 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 a, it's a euphemism, really, for anywhere that the Father isn't. For being somewhere that is, that is away from God. And it says that he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, when we think of wild living, what do you tend to think of? Come again? <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we got one. Uh, Hollywood. Yeah, Las Vegas. That kind. Of, uh, and and that's you know that's what we we tend to that's what we tend to think of. We tend we tend to think of a, a country song on Lower Broad or something like that. We don't tend to think of a cookout in the backyard. We don't, we don't tend to think of mowing the lawn. But let me tell you, while living is any living away from God. It's any living away from God. It's not, you know, well, at least I'm not wild. I'm not down there doing you away from God. It's wild living. See, we, we just don't, we don't, we don't know it. Uh, little children. I've become acquainted with little children recently. Can we get my slide back? Yeah, there we go. I, I know it's dangerous to put up cheeseburgers during the second service, but just direct your attention here. I, I've, uh, I, I've come, become acquainted with little children and uh, because we have two that live next door to us, four-year-old and a two-year-old, who are our grandsons. And their dad is building a shed and... And I am building a carport, and we use power tools, and these boys love to help. Not only do they love power tools, they love pouring concrete. Actually, they love playing in concrete once you've poured it. They love getting their hands on anything sharp and metal and heavy. And you kind of go, oh, no, 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 put that down right now. They don't know that that's dangerous. And when we're away from God, we don't know what's, been, what's dangerous around us. And yet it is. It's a reckless, wild place to be. And, and here's what happens. He spent, he, he spent everything, after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. See, once we have spent everything we have received from the Father, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. So, well, what, you know, what, what are you talking about? Well, talent, intelligence, youth, strength, beauty, life itself. All of these come from God. Okay? And they go, well, I, I worked to, you know, to, well, you, well, you did. But, you know, the, the, the talent and the, and the wisdom and the strength, they came from God to do that work, you know. 
And if you're good at what you're doing, the talent for sure came from God. You know, when, ta- when people have talent, they make things look easy. You know, somebody, somebody, who, who, can, somebody who can paint, you know, they paint, and it kind of, you just kind of go, you know, when I draw a line, it doesn't do that. But when you do, look, you know, uh, somebody who can sing. You know, now, and, you know, if you have no talent to sing, but you have a desire, go for it. It doesn't bother God that all the people around you are in pain. <laughs> I think he finds that amusing. I, I do. <laughs> really? So, I mean, go for it. But, you know, if he, if he also graces you with talent, <sighs> It's a beautiful thing. You can, you can move mountains with that talent that he's given to you. And so he's given us all these things, and, and the world, all these things come from the Father, and the world would, would have us trade them in for fool's gold. The world would have us spend them on, um, in exchange for money, uh, fame, power, uh, pleasure, acceptance. You may go, well, I, you know, I, I'm not interested in being famous or, or having a lot of money or anything. You, you want people to accept you. You just do. In fact, in fact, some of the people who go, oh, I don't care what anybody thinks, are the ones who want people to accept them the most. And, and so the world would have us exchange all of these gifts that the Father has given to us for those kinds of things. And in the end, you got nothing. And in the end, there's, there's nothing left. And, and you discover once the Father's gifts have run out that there never was anything in the distant country. There was always famine there. In fact, the, the, only, reason, the only reason why the illusion of plenty was there is because of, this, of, the, of the abundance of supply of new people bringing resources from the Father into the situation into the world. And then once that's drained, you know, there's another supply coming in. And so he hires himself out to a citizen of the distant country. And you know, there's only one true citizen of the distant country. Everyone else is an immigrant. There's only one citizen and that's, that's the devil. So he, he hires himself out to him and he's only got one job to offer. And that's feeding pigs. You may do it in the penthouse or in the poorhouse. You, you, may, you may do it with a shovel in your hand or with a pencil in your hand. You, there's any number of ways that, that it can manifest itself. But he's only got one job, and that's feeding pigs. And, and, and here's the kicker. It doesn't pay anything. The wages of sin is, is death, and you already had that. You don't have to work for that one. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't pay anything. And so the, the, the son is, is sitting there and he finally, <laughs> he, he finally comes to his senses. And um, that's the, the translation that we read today. Most of the translations, though, say that he came to himself. Came to himself. You know, I, you know we're so thick. He's sitting there, he's feeding these pigs and feeding these pigs. And the more he feeds the pigs, the hungrier he gets. And it takes him a while to realize, wait a minute. 
they're eating and I'm not. It, it, it sometimes takes a while for the light bulb to, to come on in our heads. It says that he, that he comes to himself. When I was away from God, I thought that I was finding myself. Can, can, can anybody relate? Uh, you know, my late teens, my early 20s, up until my mid-20s, I was finding myself. I was doing anything I wanted to do. You know, I, I could go here, I could go there. I didn't have to answer to anybody. I didn't answer to anybody. And, you know, wow, aren't I having fun? And it took a while for me to come to myself. It was only the grace of God. I mean, praise God for the grace of God, because it could have taken a lot longer. But it was only the grace of God just shedding some light on my soul and opening my eyes to some things before I was finally able to go, I don't think I'm going in the right direction. I th- I, you know, I keep going that way, and I think I may be back over here. Instead of finding myself, I'm, I'm getting more lost. The farther I run and the, and the harder that I try. And when I came to Jesus, when, when you come to Jesus, you find your true self. You know, if you want to find who you really are, that's, that's where it is. It says over in Colossians 2.10, this is one of my favorite verses. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. You, you have been brought to who you really were created to be, how you really were wired, what, you know, un, unshackled from the, will I be accepted? Will I get money for this? Will I get fame for this? Will, will this make me happy? Will I be pleasure? Unshackled from those things, you can find out, who am I? You're free to be able to do that. And so... He comes to the realization, he says, you know, I've got nothing, and my father's servants, they've got everything. they got, they got all that they need. You know, and I don't think he was just talking about food, and I know in the spiritual sense we're not just talking about food. The father's servants, they got joy, they got peace, they, they, they've got love, they, they've got forgiveness, they, they've got all this stuff that has leaked out of my life somehow. And so when the light comes on and he comes to himself, he comes to another realization. I need to repent. (gasps) Wow. He realizes that he has sinned and that he isn't worthy. And it's better to be a servant in his father's house than it is to be a free man in Paris or, 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 or something like that. And he, in the distant country, Better is one day in your house than 10,000 elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And it finally finally comes to him and it it dawns on him that, hey, that was a pretty good deal back there. So he gets up to go. And let me tell you, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. He gets up to go. Go back. But you don't know what I've done, preacher. I don't know what you've done. I know what I've done. And that's bad enough. But that's not what I'm basing it on. I'm not basing it on what my done was worse than your done. You know, that's not it at all. I don't know what you've done. I do know what I've done. Neither one of those are irrelevant. I know who the Father is. 
I know who the Father is. That's, that's the relevant thing. That's the thing. That's the thing that nails it. That's the thing that matters. The good, good Father. It says in the passage that we read, while, he was, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. You know, and we, we have this tendency to think, or at least I did. You know, I grew up in a, I grew up in a, in a church situation where we, would, we, would, we had a salvation altar call every service. Started out with every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, if you need, raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Raise your hand. I see that hand. God sees that hand. Nobody else is seeing it. But you knew what was coming next, which was, okay, everybody look up here. Now, those of you who raised your hand, you come down here right now. I mean, you knew. You knew that was what was coming next. And there, and there was a tendency to kind of go, I ain't raising my hand because I'm going to get up front. I'm going to get up front and everybody walk down there, you know. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. We're, you just get up and you, and you start back toward the Father. There's no, uh, there's no ritual that you have to go through. You get, you get up and you start back because he's looking for you. You see, if he saw him a long way off, you know he wasn't just kind of glancing around and going, what is that? No, he'd been going... Where is this boy? What is going on? When, when am I going to see him on the horizon? And my dad used to say, you take one step toward God, he'll take two steps toward you. That's wrong. You take one step toward God, he will come running. There's no wall he won't kick down. No, no lie he won't tear down. No, no, no shadow he won't light up. No battle he won't fight coming after you just just like this this father did he'd been looking for his son for quite some time and the son had a speech planned but he didn't get to give all of it you know he got he got to give the first part of it father i've sinned against heaven and against you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son true and true and both of those things need to be said that realization needs to become real in our hearts and in our lives. I've sinned. Yeah, yeah. everyone has sinned. Fallen short of the, the glory of God. That's what, that's what the scripture says. That's no, look, let's just get over it, all right? You know, I, like I said, people, if you wanted to give your life to the Lord, you had to get up and walk down and everybody look at you and go, well, there goes the sinner. You know, well, there sits the sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, you know, there's not a stigma attached to that. That's, that's life being born into a fallen world. And you aren't worthy. Neither am I. And you know what else? Your praying mama wasn't worthy. Your praying grandma wasn't worthy. I mean, you knew your praying, you, you knew your grandpa wasn't worthy because there's no telling what he was doing, but your praying grandma wasn't worthy. Okay? The one who prayed you into the kingdom. No, not worthy. No, nobody is worthy to stand righteously before a perfect, holy God. What he didn't get to say was make me like one of your hired servants. Because you see, the father. <laughs> 
Father's not looking for servants. Now, you'll serve. Oh, yeah, you'll serve, but not as a hired servant. Uh-uh, no, no. I mean, you'll, you'll serve because I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And as I've washed your feet, you need to wash one another's feet. So that, that's, that's where the serving comes in. But God isn't looking. You know, he may be a, uh, he, he may be a, a generous landowner, but he's, he's not looking for workers. He is looking for sons and daughters. Because while a generous landowner is, is, is a wonderful thing to be, the title he enjoys most is Father. Father. When the lost son comes home, there's no recrimination. There's no, I told you so. There's no, well, are you going to slay this time? Yeah. Boy. You know what? I heard that so many times, but it wasn't God saying that to me. It was the enemy. And there's no lie he won't tear down. Yeah. No. Uh-oh. When, 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 when the lost son comes home... It's time to party. It's time to rejoice. The, the father said, whoa, you have said enough. I mean, you, you have sinned. You aren't worthy. <laughs> Let's have a party. Let's rejoice because this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. Huh. Now about that other son. Next week. 